The countdown has begun. This May, a thousand global leaders will gather in Doha for the Qatar Economic Forum powered by Bloomberg, held in conjunction with our official partners, the Qatar Ministry of Commerce and Industry and Media City Qatar and premier sponsor QNB. Join heads of state, influential ministers and leading CEOs to make new connections and gain unique insights. Learn more at QatarEconomicForum.com. Bill Dudley uh, joins us right now, writing an important column on CBDC, Central Bank Digital Currencies. Bill Dudley, very valuable and thought-provoking uh, this morning. We just saw criminal trials, guilty verdicts, maybe appeals involved, but are we getting away from the presumed criminality, the punishment, the secrecy that Ken Rogoff had the courage to talk about? Well, I think that the... Uh crypto space is in disarray right now. And the real question now is, are central banks around the world going to introduce central bank digital currencies to, to sort of take up that slack? Um, I think that's going to happen. Probably going to be more evolutionary than revolutionary because it depends on what payment system that you're starting with. I think where central bank digital currencies could play a very, very important role, and this is highlighted in a new paper that we put out by the Bretton Woods Committee, is really on cross-border payments. We had a system of central bank digital currencies where the interfaces were harmonized. You could probably execute payments on a cross-border basis at a, at a fraction of the cost today. For a lot of migrant workers, when they're sending their payments abroad, it costs over 5% of the value of the payment just to, just to execute right. the transaction. It's very slow. So we can certainly do a lot better than, than we're doing right now. Now, in this process, the Fed is you know, very far, far behind. Uh, in terms of their work on central bank digital currencies. And in the U.S., there's a quite a bit of skepticism about the need for central bank digital currencies. Why I think is, this work continue. Well, that's the heart of the matter. I'm going to go to Raphael Auer, who owns the high ground on this at BIS. He's documented the incredible friction of transactions in the real world. We all thought we'd be trading Bitcoin at, you know, John would be down at Celine trading Bitcoin for a sweater, but the answers were not. We can really get down to where this is efficacious for central banks. We can really squeeze this down to where there's no transactional friction. Well, there'll obviously always be a little bit of transactional friction, but we can do a lot better than we're doing right now. I mean, in, in, in theory, central bank digital currencies should be a pretty significant improvement over cash. It'll be just the safest cash, but, but in terms of the default risk, because it'll be guaranteed by the sovereign nation. Uh, but you don't, don't have worries about storage. You, don't, you can transact with digital cash across you know, long distances. So to me, it's like cash plus. It's superior to cash uh, and it's something that, we, that the U.S. should start to innovate on. There's a concern, Bill, that as you disintermediate banks, essentially those agents that really capitalize from those frictions that exist, that some of the functioning of markets that traditionally has supported things like treasuries starts to uh, ebb away. How concerned are you as you start to adopt new, less friction-filled <laughs> methods uh, and as capital markets slow in the wake of rate hikes? How much does that really disintermediate banks that really are still essential for the functioning of the treasury market? 
It really depends on central bank digital currency design. And I think there you want to have a two-tier system where the, the, the banks continue to own the customer relationships. Uh, central banks don't want to have re- customer relationships with you know hundreds of millions of, of households. Uh, so they sh- should hand that off to the banking system. The second thing you want to do is make sure that the central bank digital currency doesn't pay interest. If it doesn't pay interest, it's basically going to be used for payments, not for investment. So that preserves the, the role of, of, the central, of, of commercial banks as intermediaries. So I think if you do those two things, uh, you essentially protect the, the commercial banking system as, as, as providing financial intermediation services. But the central bank helps provide a, a better payments medium. The reason why I ask this, on a broader sense, away from digital currencies, is there is increasing concern about how much of the risk-taking activity and how much, frankly, of financial market functioning has moved outside of the highly regulated banks into the private sector. <coughs> Earlier this morning, UBS Chair Colm uh, Kelleher came out warning again that there's a bubble in private markets and that there's risks building there as an increasing amount of lending moves to that area. Are you concerned about that? Do you think that there is this sort of situation forming on the heels of rate hikes on the heels of uh, the more tightly regulated banks that deserves greater scrutiny? Absolutely. I think this notion that all we need to do to fix the problems that we saw in March of 2020 in the banking system is to pile a lot higher capital requirements on the largest banks. I think that's misguided. Increase the capital requirements on the biggest banks, you're just going to push activity out into the non-regulated banking sector, and that's going to make the financial system less secure, uh, more unstable uh, than the current regime. So I think we need to think really hard about what were the problems in March 2020 and how to address them. Bill, thanks for catching up with us. Give us your view on that. Bill Dudley there, the former New York Fed president. The countdown has begun. From May 14th to 16th, a thousand global leaders will gather in Doha for the Qatar Economic Forum powered by Bloomberg. Join heads of state, influential ministers and leading CEOs to make new connections, gain unique insights and uncover valuable opportunities in one of the world's most rapidly rising regions. Request your invite for this exclusive event at QatarEconomicForum.com.